بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we thank him and we show shukr to him for the ni'mas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with especially finding ourselves right before the blessed month of Ramadan and as many of us are aware some places in the world they are going to observe Ramadan tomorrow inshallah we'll wait and then uh, you know the announcement will be made whether tonight is going to be salat al-tarawih or is going to be tomorrow inshallah but this is a great ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we find ourselves in the blessed month of Ramadan. And really this month is so blessed that as long as we're not engaged in doing something wrong, the way that it's set up, inshallah, we're going to benefit. If you did no other extra a'mal other than the ijtima'i, meaning the, the a'mal that we do as a gathering, meaning fasting and salatul tarawih, along with the five times salawat, then that is a beneficial and successful Ramadan. But on condition we do not, you know, ruin that with our own sins. As one hadith Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa tells us, As-siyamu junna malam Fasting is a shield for us. It grants us taqwa. It gives us the ability to stay away from sin and to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as we consider it as a shield. If we tear the shield down, then it will no longer protect us. Just like a warrior... In ancient times, they would have shields. And this is the comparison that Rasulullah is making, the metaphor. That we are like the soldiers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we do ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just like a soldier on the battlefield in the time of Rasulullah would have a shield, as long as he would hold up the shield, the arrows won't affect him. But if he puts the shield down, then he is of course liable to the attack. He cannot defend himself. So Rasulullah is making a metaphor and saying that you are just like a soldier in the sense that we are exerting our physical bodies to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As a soldier would exert their body to win the battle. So we are battling our nafs, we are battling our desires, shaitan, the dunya, and we are using our bodies to do that. As long as we hold up the shield, Inshallah, we will be protected. And this figurative and metaphorical shield is the fasting. And what Rasulullah is saying that as long as you do not commit sin, you will not lose that shield. So the metaphorical shield is the fasting. And the way we put the shield down and make ourselves susceptible to attack is by sinning. So while in the state of fasting, we have to also understand that part of fasting is the avoidance of sin. And if we just do that, for instance, a person, they only perform salah and they just sleep the whole day. You know, whenever it's time for fajr, dhuhr, maghrib, etc., asr, he, he wakes up and he performs salah and then he comes to the taraweeh and he fasts and he does nothing else. He's just sleeping the whole month. This is a successful person. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Ramadan such that your actions are multiplied as it is. And he's avoiding sin, so he's going to be in the positives. 
Now what happens with us sometimes, we, we engage in sin. And so then what happens is you have to see, does the a'mal and the good deeds, you know, counteract those sins? Are they going to be greater or not? So we don't want to spoil our Ramadan by committing lots of sins because then we have to sacrifice some of the reward of fasting, some of the war- reward of taraweeh, some of the reward of the, the struggle that we're going to. And, and we don't want to do that. We want to, to preserve all of it. Last week, alhamdulillah, we were speaking of the virtues of Ramadan that Rasulullah shared with us in the hadith. And we talked about five different virtues that this ummah was given, that no other ummah was given before. Inshallah, today is literally on the, the, the doorstep of Ramadan. We'll continue with these fada'il and these virtues that Rasulullah tells us. In one hadith, Rasulullah says, من قام ليلة القدر إيماناً واحتساباً غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه. The individual who stands in prayer on Laylatul Qadr with two conditions, with iman and ex- expecting a reward from Allah, all of their sins in the past will be forgiven. So imagine you can come out of this month with everything forgiven. And in some hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa actually says, Man qama Ramadan, the person who stands in the taraweeh prayers throughout Ramadan, as long as they have iman, they have belief in Allah, belief that this is a virtuous month, belief that Allah will forgive us and that He is going to reward us. That's one condition, iman. Wahtisaban, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, this word ihtisab, it means to expect a reward. So Allah wants us to expect from Him. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to rely on Him. And that is why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He tells us to be firm in our du'as. You know, we live in a culture where, you know, we have to be very cautious the way we speak. So sometimes, you know, that will affect our du'as and we'll say, Oh Allah, if you want, please forgive me. But this is not what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us. He tells us when you make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask for Jannatul Firdaus. Almost demand it. That, oh Allah, give me Jannatul Firdaus. And be firm in, in that request. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like anyone else. He's not going to get his feelings hurt. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has complete control over whatever he wants to give to whoever. It's not like he loses anything by giving us Jannatul Firdaus. He's not going to get hurt. So we don't have to say, you know, oh Allah, please, if you feel like, give me Jannatul Firdaus. Rather, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, be firm. And he's acknowledging that none of us deserve it. We don't deserve Jannatul Firdaus because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi himself told the Sahaba that I cannot even go to Jannat. The, the greatest creation of Allah, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is saying, I cannot go to Jannah without the mercy of Allah. Meaning, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve Jannah, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says. But inshallah, through the mercy and his hope in Allah, he will have the highest stages in the paradise. So if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is saying that he doesn't deserve it, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an that he, all of the previous sins of uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he hasn't sinned, but if hypothetically he would, that is forgiven. So such a person is saying that I don't deserve Jannah, what about us? Who commit sin so much that it's greater than our a'mal. Of course we don't deserve it. Then why is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa telling us when you ask Allah, Ask for Jannatul Firdaus, literally the highest level. 
So we acknowledge that we can't get it, but we also acknowledge that Allah is the one who can give to whoever He wants. And part of being a Rahman, the greatest, most merciful being ever, is that He gives things to people who don't deserve it. And so, inshallah, we can be a manifestation of those people who don't deserve the mercy of Allah, but still get the mercy of Allah. And inshallah, that is our dua, that we don't deserve it, we acknowledge that. Our a'mal are filled with mistakes. We don't understand what we recite. We don't understand the, the meaning of salah. When we're in ruku' and sujood, we're thinking about the dunya. So of course, we don't deserve anything. But our hope is that we have in our minds the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I am nothing, but He is Rahman. And in that relationship, inshallah, we can look towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't look towards ourselves. Of course, we have to show. In the previous uh, two khutbas ago, I related a hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking to see who tries their best. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your best. Show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your best. Of course, that best is not going to be adequate. But the purpose is to display, to show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is how we will get the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Many of you here are parents, and you know those of us who are not parents. May Allah subhanahu wa taala bless us, uh, you know, with awlad uh, saliha. When you see a small child, three years old, two years old, maybe uh, you know you know better when when children start walking. They start walking, and then you know their their knees are wobbly, and then they fall over. And I'm sure, as a parent, you look at that child and you feel so much rahmah for them. They're trying so hard and. You're encouraging them also, but you have to let them fall. You, you can't make them walk. And you have to allow them to make those mistakes. And you're watching them as they stumble, and you're encouraging them. And you know that you know, this child can't run. You know, I can run, I can sprint, I can do all of those things. This child cannot do any of that. But you are encouraging that child, and you are seeing all of the mistakes. And this makes your heart filled with mercy. Now imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He looks at us. We are walking, our knees are wobbling, we cannot stand for Salatul Taraweeh, we're thirsty during the day, but He is watching us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees us, trying our best. And that is when the Rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will descend upon us. Just like when we look at these little children, if the child is being naughty, of course, that's not you know, a, a time where the Rahmah will come from our hearts. But when we see them trying their best, you know, being brave, even though they cannot adequately do it. That is when our hearts fill with mercy. And inshallah, this is what Rasulullah is telling us. Show Allah your best. Your best is not adequate. Your best will not earn you Jannah. But the Rahmah of Allah will. And how do you get the Rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Show your best. And this is what we have to do in this blessed month of Ramadan. So continuing with this hadith, Rasulullah also says, من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه. The individual who fasts during Ramadan with faith, belief in Allah, belief that they will be forgiven, because this is what Rasulullah sallallahu tells us. We shouldn't be so, you know, worried that I'm not going to get the forgiveness of Allah. That should definitely be there because if we sin, we're in danger. However, we should have iman. That this is such a blessed month and Rasulullah has told us that Allah is going to forgive so many people. So inshallah I will be one of them. So we have that faith, that iman. 
And we expect from Allah. Let's start being firm in our dua. Allah, I know I'm nothing, but I know you're greater than everything. So forgive me. We don't even say please. You say, Allah, forgive me. I want forgiveness. Allah, I want the acceptance of my a'mal. Allah, I want Jannatun Firdaus. And this is the command of Rasulullah. The one who knows he can't go into Jannatun Firdaus, nor can we, because we're worse. But we still ask the one who can give us whatever he wants to give us. In another narration, Rasulullah is reported to have said, Man Sama Ramadan wa arafa hududahu wa tahafadha mima yambagilahu an yatahafad kufira ma qablahu. So he says that the individual who stands or who, who fasts during Ramadan, they are fasting during Ramadan, and they know the boundaries. This is what breaks my fasting. This is what uh, I have to do to fast. They know the rulings. So we do, we do need to understand how to fast. Otherwise, we will, by mistake, break them. And they also know the spiritual boundaries. When I'm fasting, I cannot look at haram. When I am fasting, I cannot speak haram. I cannot do ghibah. I cannot say anything bad. I cannot listen to haram. And of course, at all times we cannot do this, but this is more important during fasting because it affects the, the level of the spiritual fast. So he's saying the person who fasting is fasting in Ramadan and knows the boundaries. And he protects them, he protects himself from that which he should protect himself. Or she protects herself from that which she should protect herself from. All of the previous sins will be removed. This is a great virtue, inshallah. We all know all of our, how many sins we have. If you begin to contemplate over your sins, and this is a uh, very greatly suggested daily practice that we contemplate over what we have done wrong, then you will feel a burden on your shoulders. And this, you know, as, as a believer, we're continuously burdened by our own sins. Always thinking about it, always feeling guilty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a lifting of that burden. Inshallah, after Ramadan, we will feel lighter spiritually. In another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, Inna Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, inna lillahi tabaraka wa ta'ala, utaqa fi kulli yawmin wa layla. Ya'ni fi Ramadan. In every day and every night in Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a very large group of people who He saves from the fire of Jahannam. So these are selected slaves. Every day and every night, there's a huge number that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have you know, recorded that this person is now safe from Jahannam. وَإِنَّ لِكُلِّ مُسْلِمٍ فِي كُلِّ يَوْمٍ دَعْوَةٌ مُسْتَجَابَةٌ Every single Muslim in Ramadan will have a moment, some time in Ramadan, that their du'as will be answered. So some scholars say this is the tahajjud time. Some say this is the time of breaking the, the or opening the fast, iftar time. So we have to continuously make du'a. We don't know exactly when this moment is. So we have to continuously make du'a throughout the day. So also that we, we know the very famous hadith uh, narrated in Bukhari and Muslim. That Rasulullah said, إِذَا جَاءَ رَمَضَانِ فُتِّحَتْ أَبْوَابُ الْجَنَّةِ وَغُلِّقَتْ أَبْوَابُ النَّارِ وَصُفِدَتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ When a Ramadan comes, the gates of Jannah are flung open. So he uses the word futihat instead of futihat. In Arabic, futihat means to open. Futihat means that it's flung open. The doors of Jannah are flung open, meaning the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to descend upon us. 
Also, the, the doors of Jahannam are not just closed, they're shut. They're slammed shut. And the devils, the shayateen, they're chained away. They are chained away. Now, scholars talk about two different ways the shayateen are chained. It's very interesting. We hear the hadith all the time. But what does it really mean that the shayateen are chained away? So one is the apparent meaning that this is a special time in Ramadan as Rasulullah tells us the shayateen's effect on people is going to be gone. So Iblis and his army of shayateen, they are going to be chained, physically locked away and they cannot whisper to people, they cannot affect people. However, we still do have something within ourselves, it's called the nafs, the self. And this self tells us to do evil actions. So that's why people still commit evil actions. However, there is a general you know, goodness that we see in ourselves in Ramadan. And so, why does this happen in Ramadan? Some scholars say that when Rasulullah was born, as well as when the Qur'an was revealed, the Qur'an was revealed on Laylatul Qadr in Ramadan, the skies were closed off for the shayateen. So the, the jinn, the shayateen, they have this ability to fly upward. They can fly. And they go to the outer limits of you know, the, the atmosphere, the heavens, and they can hear some of the malaika. So what they would do in pre-Islamic Arabia, they had this ability, they would go and they would listen to what the angels say, they could hear them. And they would bring it down and share that information with soothsayers, with magicians, etc. And, it's, you know, they had this ability. When the Rasulullah was born, also some say at that time, also when the Qur'an was revealed, the skies were shut for them. And this is mentioned in Surah Al-Jinn. The jinn themselves, they're, they're, you know, recounting this incident where the skies are shut for them. And they said that we don't know what's happening we used to be able to fly in the sky and hear the angels, you know, some of the messages. But now we can't do any of that. If we try to go up there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a, a fireball or a meteorite and then it hits one of them and then they, they die. So they stop doing that. So scholars say that this also happened in, in Ramadan when the Qur'an was revealed. So as a commemoration of that, because this is the month of Qur'an, the shayateen are locked away. And then there's another understanding some scholars talk about. Imam Al-Mundiri mentions this in his uh, book, Al-Targhib Al-Targhib, where how are the shayateen locked away? He says that they are locked away, especially in Ramadan, but we can have our personal shayateen locked away at all times. So all of us, we are affected by shayateen as well. So he says there is a way that you can have the shaytans locked away for you all the time. And he says that, why are they specifically mentioned in Ramadan that they're locked away? This is because the Ummah as a whole, we are fasting together. And when we fast, the desires are decreased. There are certain things that we do not do when we're fasting. There are certain haram things that we don't engage in that maybe we, you know, out of weakness we do outside of Ramadan. Because of this, the entire Ummah is on one page of salah, of goodness, of taqwa and piety. And this causes the shayateen to, their effect will not affect people. Meaning, the shayateen are still there. But they cannot affect us because our desires are decreased. We are sacrificing for the sake of Allah. We are engaged in the ibadah and focused in that so much that even if they try to whisper, they have no effect. Some scholars actually say this, that the shayateen, they're there but they don't have any effect. And that's how they're locked away. Meaning, we lock them away from ourselves. 
And this can be done all the time. If we continue with the taqwa after Ramadan, inshallah, it can be continued. I want to share an example, inshallah, that was shared with us when we were, you know, young students in uh, Masjid al-Taqwa, that is in Doraville, Sheikh Muhammad Zahir al-Islam. He shared this very uh, beautiful example with us, and I was very young at the time, maybe a teenager. And this was, I think, uh, on Khatm al-Qur'an night, one of the first uh, tarawees that they were having there. So he spoke and he, he gave this very apt analogy, this, this uh, a parable. And I call this, and I, I did a little bit tahzeeb, I changed it a little bit. I call it sharpen thy axe. Sharpen thy axe. And so he told us a story, and the story was of a lumberjack. You know, a lumberjack is a very burly, strong man with an axe, and he cuts down trees for a living. In the past, you know, they, they didn't have machines, so he would physically go and cut down trees. So there was this lumberjack, and he was hired. He was hired to cut down trees. So on his first day, he was very strong, and he trained for this, and he had a very brand new axe. So he began to cut down trees. And mashallah, he did so great, he cut down 200 trees on his first day. And this is not easy, a, a very large tree would take a lot of strength to cut down that tree, 200 trees. And as the weeks progressed, he got even better and stronger and more experienced in this regard. His number went up to 500. So he was able to cut down 500 trees a day, and this was his job. However, after a while, he started noticing his number was coming down. He was making the effort, he was trying his hardest, cutting down every tree, and he was getting stronger as well. He could tell his muscles were getting larger, and he was, you know, everything else was going great, but it started coming down from 500. Slowly it went to 400, then it went to 300, and soon it went below his original first number, went lower than 200. So then he, he did not know what was happening, everything else seems to be fine. And then finally his boss called him and he said that, you know, I saw your progress. You were doing 200 on the first day. And mashallah, you went all the way to 500. But now you're only doing like 100 a day. What's happening? So he told his boss, I don't know what's happening. I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm getting stronger. You see me. I'm, I'm much more fit before, than before. But I can't cut the same amount of trees down. So then the boss asked him, well, how many times have you sharpened your axe? And he said, actually, I never sharpened my axe. So then the boss said to him, well, then how can you expect to cut down more trees? You can be as strong as you want. If your axe is not sharpened, it's dull now because you cut so many trees for a whole year. Of course, you're not going to be able to cut more. So then he finally realized what was the problem. And he finally sharpens his axe. And he comes back and he can do more than 500 now. So this was the analogy that he gave us. And what this analogy means is that we are all workers. We are amilin. we're working for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like this lumberjack physically works. We are physically working in Ramadan, fasting, standing in Qiyamul Layl, standing in the Taraweeh prayers. And our A'mal Saliha, our good deeds, our fasting and our Salah, this is our work. This is the actual cutting of the trees down. And there are times that we do lots of good deeds. When we're on a roll, we just feel really great and we want to do more, we want to do more, increasing in recitation, in salah, in fasting. There are times that happens. But sometimes we don't know what's happening and then we start becoming more lazy. We become more lethargic. 
we find ourselves that I'm unable to get up for tahajjud. I'm unable to make dua. I just, my heart's not in it. I'm unable to stand for long periods in, in salah. I don't know how, how others do it. And so then we, we become incapable. And that is when we need to sharpen our acts. And our acts, our, the proverbial acts is our taqwa. Our taqwa becomes dull after a while. And why does it become dull? Because there's sin all, of, all around us. We're engaged in sin. We're seeing sin. We're, it's, it's left and right. And so then our taqwa becomes dull. Our fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It becomes weakened. So we need to sharpen that axe. Otherwise, we can try as hard as we want. Our heart will not be in it. We will not be able to make dua. We will not be able to stand in taraweeh. Fasting will seem like a chore. We won't want to do it. So how do we sharpen our axe? We sharpen our axe through observing the month of Ramadan. So Ramadan is our sharpener. If we can observe this month properly and struggle, inshallah, we, we have to struggle. It's not going to be a vacation. If we can struggle, inshallah, the rest of the 11 months will follow. We will have a sharpened axe and we will be able to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that He is pleased with us, inshallah. And I want to finish with a poem, inshallah, that summarizes our, inshallah, our fervor uh, for pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to meet this blessed month of Ramadan. And it's called Anticipation. As the days draw near, my desire for you grows. Anticipating your company, my tears overflow. So anxious of our meeting, I can hardly breathe. It is only with you that I am at last free. Fortunately blessed annually with its presence, it is in your fervor that I realize my essence. Just a fleeting moment forever to be realized, shamefully admitting all the plots that I have devised. Nights awake in hope and fear, wearily I sway. O oh Allah, your mercy I beg, only to you I pray. Days in thirst and hunger, longing for your acceptance. Forgive your sinful slave and accept my sincere repentance. Nowhere to turn, but it is to you that I surrender. I wish to be a true Muslim, obedient forever. Save me from your displeasure and the pain of your wrath. Bless me this Ramadan and show me the straight path. So this is a dua, inshallah. This is our, our fervor, our feeling, that the sentiment that each one of us has. Inshallah, a few, it could be a few more hours till the month of Ramadan. One thing that we can all do, inshallah, to prepare is to do tawbah, sincere repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawbah is what wipes away all negativity in the past, all of the sins. We want to start Ramadan on a clean slate. Let us sit for a few minutes and ponder over the sins that we have done. Everything that we've done in the past. And let us ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us. And tawbah means that we make a strong and firm intention that we will not return to those sins. Right? We have to make that intention that I am not going to do it anymore. So if we do this, inshallah, we will start on a good footing in the Ramadan. And inshallah, we don't have to do much. Whatever we have to do, it's already outlined for us. Taraweeh, fasting, and staying away from sin. Inshallah, if we can do this, and especially staying away from the temptations of the phone itself, you cannot get away from dunya anymore. You can lock yourself in, 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 a, in a room, you still have your dunya on your phone. So let us be cautious of all of this, and we can avoid dunya and the temptations, inshallah. We'll have a blessed Ramadan, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us, give us tawfiq to praise Him, to worship Him as He should be worshipped, and 
gain the fruits of this blessed month. وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى على خير خلقه محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحمة الرحيمين.